Um, yeah, I started doing them more regularly yeah. now that um, now that the show's rebooted and back online. Yeah, right. uh, I've been trying to do like one a week, oh, getting, right. getting into that kind of yeah, yeah. rhythm. Yeah. yeah, that's not easy. It's hard work. Yeah, well, for me. Yeah, well, looking, seeing somebody's interest. Well, you have this series, which makes it, you know, nice and focused. Yeah. But I have to. I, I don't know how it happens, but I'm, I'm doing a lot of people who have uh, written books. Yeah. And the stuff that I'm interested in. So then I have to fucking read the books. You know? <laughs> do you do you actually read them, or do you just kind of do the scan, the quick scan? I find stuff that's interesting for yeah. me to talk about. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I'm really good. I'm a fast reader, so I can go through it very quickly. Nice. I just, not to diverge here, but actually no, no. it fits in with psychedelics. <laughs> yeah. um, I just did a podcast with a man, a, a doctor, a very straight guy, uh, who, uh, his name is Jeff Long, Dr. Long. He has done in the last 10 years or something, Amazing, amazing. He created a website where people submit NDEs, near-death experiences. Oh, interesting. So he wrote one book about that. It was a New York Times bestseller. And then he just wrote this other one. But this one's mm. great because it has people's, uh, they're actually their stories. Oh, neat. Oh, my God. It blew me away. Some of it was no more or less of my own personal experience of being with this uh, realized being in India. I mean, the parallel, the, the integration of what it is, yeah. I mean, it's extraordinary. And, and I think people should really, people reading this book would, would get a, a, another sense of an alternative to fear of mm. death. It's really fantastic. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I remember at one point um, after starting to experiment with psychedelics and then um, learning about Roland Griffith's work where he was you know giving psilocybin to people who were terminal illnesses like cancer and stuff mm. starting to think about how in a certain way like death death must be the ultimate trip in some ways and these are people that actually have experienced it and come back and can sort of talk about it absolutely yeah right exactly uh, well it like Ramdas says a lot yeah Every day we are dying, once you get connected to that, then the actual loss of your physical body and identity won't have the same impact. Hmm. Which is why, as the Buddhists say, practice, practice, practice. I mean, Tibetans are like, it's all about that. It's right. all about practice for death, right. period. They're getting ready to like sort of eject consciousness yeah. out and... Yeah, you know, exactly. getting ready for the big for the big moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I'm I, I'm a totally a big adherent of that myself. Interesting. Yeah. It may, sort of like at the end of the day, it seems like that's like what, why else are we? Why else would we do all this crazy shit? Yeah. Well, the other reason would be to, uh, as His Holiness says, be a little bit of a kinder person. Well, okay. More that's, that, I guess person. that's fair too. Yeah. You'll buy that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess I should say something about you and your background for people that are just like going to tune into our conversation here. Oh, right, right. Um, so I'm talking to Raghu Marcus today on Buddhist Geeks, and we're actually, uh, this is one of the really, I appreciate being able to have these conversations in person 
uh, I don't know about you with your show, but like most of my stuff's over the telephone line. Me too. So Me this too. is really cool yeah. to just sit down in like Way the better. local tea shop and just hang out and talk. Although I do it all by Skype, actually, and and there's a way in which you get that kind of. Personal so you you get thing. to see you get, you get to see, to see people person, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. So Raghu, I I sort of I guess a mutual friend of of ours, a mutual acquaintance, um, introduced us like not that long ago, like several months ago. We were hung out here, I think, and uh, a little longer ago. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess it was. I, I've had a I've had a small child, so my sense of yeah, time right. is distorted. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and so I was excited to hear that you lived in the Asheville area, and um, uh, and then since that time that I met you, you went from um, podcasting with a, a podcast called Mind Rolling, and then you some there's some transition where you yeah, started was, directing the Be, the Be Here Now Foundation, yeah. and I don't know what the story is there, but that's a really interesting project. Yeah. Well, first of all, the what I do actually is I'm the executive director of the Love Serve Remember Foundation, Love, which serve, represents remember. everything around Ramdas. Mm-hmm. People who don't know Ramdas, Richard Alpert, Tim Leary, the Harvard psychedelic experiments that started us all off on this trip, along with uh, Owsley and a couple of other people. Uh, hmm. And so that represents our guru, Neem Karoli Baba, who we call. Maharaji, which is a kind of a nickname, and uh, so we have Ramdas.org, which represents all of his direct teachings, and then we have BeHereNowNetwork.com, which is the podcast podcast network, nice. which represents what I do with mind rolling. I do something called Here and Now with Ramdas, mm. and then our both you and I close person Jack Cornfield is part of it, and Joseph Goldstein, and Sharon Salzberg, and Krishnadas, and Lama Suryadas, and nice. a lot of wonderful uh, teachers and thought leaders. And that's that's a new thing, that's a year old. Okay, that's that's and what that's, I was thinking of, was kind of yeah. a new new project. Yeah, so that's a new project. But you've been, and you've been podcasting for quite a while. A couple of years, two and a half years, I think. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, and I, co- I come out of radio, that was where I first started out, um, from Montreal. And I was program director of a major rock and roll station there, and that's where I met Ramdas, who was had just come back from India the first time, mm. and they were asking me to help promote one of his lectures, and I didn't know what a Ramdas was, basically. <laughs> uh, but as soon as they said Tim Leary and Richard Albert, that was it for me. Okay, yeah. I'll you'd heard you you'd heard their names at that point. Well, everyone had. Everyone. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Anybody who did a psychedelic back then, uh-huh. absolutely knew Richard Alper, Tim Leary. You know, for sure. Allen Ginsberg. You know, they were all the icons at that time in our lives. Yep. And uh, made it all. I mean, you know, we listened to their admonitions about how to properly do psychedelics and not pop it and go down to the local disco, you know, create a real environment, a real space from which to do it from a spiritual uh, foundation. Mm. And so we listened to that for the most part. I mean, we were, you know, (laughs) we did some weird shit too. So it's funny because I told you we're doing this meditating on psychedelic series, yep. and obviously we've already started talking a little bit about that. Mm. Uh, and it's hard not to with um, your connection to Ramdas because that was something he was so well known for. Yeah. Um, at the same time, 
been thinking after talking to you about how there's sort of this really strong but almost hidden influence from Neem Karoli Baba and Ram Das through many of the teachers you just mentioned um, and through their connection. And, and there's like just like almost like, it's like cousins, like people, this family that's very close. Yeah. And it really seeps into and affects how Buddhism is taught in a lot of Western contexts. And, uh, and yet it's not, I don't know that it's all that well known for the general, you know, kind of practitioner audience that this is such a strong influence. Those three people, Sharon, Jack, and Joseph, we met them when, and I'm, I'm being a big we because when I went to India, uh, Ramdas, I was elsewhere in India. He went to this Vipassana course, which is, and along with, and Krishnadas was there and others of us. Was, that the, was that the Goenka? That was the Goenka course, course in Bodh Gaya. The famous Goenka course. The famous course. Goenka course, and they did two <laughs> or three in a row. Uh, and uh, that is where they met. Uh, actually, Joseph and Sharon, Jack, was, came a little bit later because I think he was in Thailand at the time. And therein formed a wonderful familial relationship with these people. And how it crescendoed and really cemented was that in 1974, when Trungpa Rinpoche opened Naropa, mm -hmm. he asked Ramdas to come out and teach on the Bhagavad Gita. So Ramdas went out there and he asked Jack and Joseph, I don't think Sharon was there quite yet, to come and teach with him. I actually have footage of them. They used to have hair. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so so, you, so you were, were you there as well? I was not there. Okay. I was elsewhere, you know. Yeah. I missed a couple of things. I don't know what was, I was doing, God knows. <laughs> uh, anyhow, from that moment on, uh, Ramdas has done a ton of stuff and I, I became really close with Sharon, actually, uh, during those in the years subsequent. And, and now you have, we are having, they're at every retreat, one of them is at every retreat we do in Maui with Ramdas, uh, a couple of times a year with Krishnas and Ramdas. And they are exceptional because they are so wide open. I mean, if you want to talk about what the, the positive effects to me about psychedelics, and then these, these three guys were not necessarily into psychedelics. I mean, they might have done them, and I don't think Sharon's ever done them, actually. Now that I think about it, the other two might have. Uh, but the practical effect of the way in which they became so open and part of that kind of heart practice that is really who we are from Ninkaroli Baba, mm. the bhakti part. Yes. That got integrated with in, in their practice, in their, their whole scene. Of course, Sharon with loving kindness is who who isn't you know, she's known so so well for for that teaching. Um, that uh, it just it was a natural symbiosis and a natural melding between the Buddhist practice and bhakti, it's very unusual. Mm. And to me, it's, it is the most, uh, the combination to me is the most effective um, combo uh, that, that I personally, it's, it's what I practice as well, mm. and, and I know many of us practice. You know, the foundation of Buddhist meditation and Buddhist thought 
and then included with his, you know, the heart practices that, that we do from chanting and so on. And certainly a basis of it for us is the opening that we got through psychedelics. Mm. And Ramdas is the biggest emblem of that. I mean, what happened to him, just to digress a little bit. Please digress away. <laughs> is that, you know, I mean, he took. A, you know, a gazillion trips with Leary. I mean, they used to go, he told me, when we first were in India together, we were, we were staying up in the high Himalayas and practicing. We were waiting, actually, for Munindra, who mm -hmm. was a, te you know, a Vipassana teacher, who yeah. was supposed to come and train us. Up, he was going to come up and everything, but his mother got sick, he couldn't come, whatever. But we went up there anyhow. And we were in this incredible little house, Kuti, literally you'd walk 50 yards up from the thing and you'd see the whole horizon, the 29,000 foot Himalayas. It was mm. the most staggering, one of the most staggering places I've ever been. Mm. And so there was nothing to do except meditate. How long can you do that every day, <laughs> so to speak? A while. Yeah, right. <laughs> but still, you got to get up and do something else too. Well, you got to eat, so when you're eating, well, you're gonna, so Ramdas used to sort of regale us with stories of, of those days, because they weren't that far gone at that point. Like, he'd go in, he and Larry would say, okay, well, let's go in a room in Millbrook, right? Let's just see, we'll just take way more psychedelics that we, anybody could possibly take, and just continually take them for a week or something. I mean, not just, you know, acid, um, STP, you know, mescaline, psilocybin, on and on, MDA, all of it, you know, to see what would, what would happen. Who would do that? Just yeah. to test the, test yeah. the, the, the bounds and stuff? Yeah, test the boundaries. Mm -hmm. And they got, you know, way out there. I mean, Ramdas once took a bunch of acid and he used to fly, fly planes. Okay, he for a second fly. there I thought you were going to say flying. he was He really flew. flew, but this time he was in a plane. <laughs> He, he was just telling me this the other day because he's putting it in a book. Um, the plane started, like he's completely gone, right, on acid. And the plane started to do these spirals. And, like loop-de-loops? Yeah, loop-de-loops. And then he's looking down at the earth <laughs> and going, yeah, I wonder if we're going to get out of this one in a very calm way. I mean, these guys had huge balls, okay? That's all I got to say. <laughs> I mean, really. It's pretty, so they I mean, did that's pretty care. far out. So what happened, though, eventually was because um, Aldous Huxley had recommended them uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And once they read that, they, then they got the analogy that, okay, this trip and dying, when you die after you, you know, if you have really good enough acid, you actually have, you know, a death and so mm. on. And so they had all the analogies of going through Bardos when, when you actually die. So it started to make sense to them, oh, there is a map, you know. But what he found, Ramdas, Richard Alpert at the time, he found that, you know what, no matter what, I come back down and I go back into separation, into duality. So there must be a way that that 
can be mitigated or that, that there's a practice or that there's a, a, a map. So he went looking for a map of consciousness that was beyond psychedelics. Mm. So he was a Buddhist and he thought, I'm going to go to India, that's where Buddhism started, and I'm going to look for that. Mm. And that's therein, you know, he was brought to this uh, incredible realized being. And that's wherein he gave the famous story that's in Be Here Now, I guess. Um, that's a seminal book from the early 70s. And he gave him acid and he took it and nothing happened. This is Neem Karoli. Neem Karoli. Mm -hmm. And nothing happened. Actually, it was so far out that when Ramdas went home, he started doubting it. He started, you know what? Maybe he like, and he motioned like taking, you know, the pills in his hand. You know, maybe I didn't see him. It was like a magic trick. You know, they went somewhere else and nothing went in. He, so he started having this thought. So he went back the second time when we went with him. And... Um, he had this in his mind, but he never said a word about it. And then suddenly, Neem Karoli Maharaji says, Got any more of that yogi medicine? He used to call it yogi medicine, right? Interesting. And I, uh, yeah, that's interesting in and of itself, right? It is. That's how he referred to it, that's yogi medicine. Huh. And Ramdas said, yeah. And he, and he took it, he took a, he had some orange sunshine, you know, Osley's strongest acid, right? Or the Brotherhood of Light, actually. They created it uh, in in Southern California, and he took it out, and Maharaji, out of his hand, he, he took his, you know, like, thumb and forefinger, and he would take one at a time, pinched it, and he took three or four of these. Each one was like a few hundred micrograms, I mean, really strong acid. Okay. Half of one, like today, you know, the acid that you get, maybe it's... 40, 50 micrograms. Back in the day, we used to get like over 100, you know, it's, it's, it's not a... And he looked at Ram Dass and he smiled. I know what you were thinking. You were thinking I never took it. And Ram Dass, like, he got that. And at that point, Maharaji said, it's good, first of all, you should do it in the cold, he said, alone and in the cold, cold environment. He said, it's good first time it allows you to have darshan of Christ. Like he used to talk to us about Christ, not Hindu stuff. I mean, Christ and Hanuman. It allows you to have a darshan of Christ for a few hours, then you have to come down. Good for beginners. Better feed people, that's what he said. Feed people, you'll get high that way. And so hmm. that was like the definitive statement from him around that. Uh, Interesting. You know, I wonder why he called it yogi medicine. Um, I mean, obviously, good for beginning and yeah. opening, but then, he, why, like, why was he taking it? Was it just sort well, of he <laughs> only took, nothing did happen. I mean, you know, he took it because Ram, he, this has been, it had been Ramdas's whole life with Mary. Yeah, right. And he validated it for Ramdas because Ramdas wanted to know what the shit is this. Yeah, you like know? get another perspective from the yeah, kind from of the, someone the deep who was end, already the there. Contemplative. Is there anything good? No, nothing happens when you're already part of all of that thing. Nothing can happen. What could happen? You know, that's, there's that's nowhere to go. Too. Yeah. So he did that. I mean, that's my take on it. Um, but interestingly enough, okay, my own experience. My father came to India to visit my brother and I. 
And I never had a good relationship with my father up to that point. And I had a terrible, I was just, he was an angry man who had been a World War II bomber pilot. He was so fucked up, he thought he was not afraid to die, okay? That's, that's how completely detached from any kind of internal reality he was. But he did come over and he was, you know, to see how my brother and I were doing. Which I thought, Jesus, I don't know if I want to handle it. You know, I had all this. Anyway, he came. The first time he's sitting with Maharaji. First of all, Maharaji said, oh, you got on a plane. It landed. It stopped in Frankfurt, Germany. An Indian businessman sat next to you. My father's jaw dropped. How could he possibly know that? Because he didn't even tell us that. Who would tell anybody that? You know, all these details that were minor. So first of all, my that was like... A ping on the head, you know, shattering some of what he had going, you know. And then Maharaji turned to me and said, a bunch of other stuff happened. Did you give your father the medicine? I go, yeah, no, he had a cold. I gave him some aspirin. He said, the yogi medicine that Ramdas gave me. I went, acid? My father? My father went, LSD? <laughs> no. <laughs> And then Maharaji said, take care of your father while he's in India and meet me in a week in another city in Allahabad. And we went, we went, I'm telling you, my father was so straight, maybe he had smoked popcorns or something, right? But he was basically a straight, he was like, he had an ad agency. He was, he was like from uh, Mad Men. Uh-huh, like that, it, that era. Yeah, look, the furniture, the whole damn thing was wow. exactly like that, right? 60s, whatever, right? Anyhow, we get to Benares. I don't know. Do you know, you know about Benares? That's where people have been going to die, Indians, for the last like thousands of years. A couple of them. Right, right at the river. Right yeah. at the river. Mm-hmm. They have places where you get wood, body gets put on a pyre and burnt, mm-hmm. and then thrown into the river. I got us a houseboat about 200 yards from where that main got main place that they do that. <laughs> I mean, we're, the body, you know, sometimes people don't get enough wood to burn the body, so you float, these half-burned bodies floating, I mean, it's really off the wall, right? Mm. Talk about bringing up fear, you mm. go there, you, have, you can really go through that stuff. Mm. And uh, my father was like, so one day I'm, I walked down the street thinking, how am I going to get any acid in the middle of this, right? Suddenly I see a friend of mine that we had been with with Maharaji. You don't have any acid. Oh, I got one tap. Sure enough. And he took it. I couldn't believe it. He actually, gonna, you're going to take this? I mean, I didn't know if you, you know. He took it. Wow. And he had a total death trip. It wasn't strong enough to put him in a place of, you know, fear of dying, you know, like you get with sometimes with acid. But he took it. And then we walked him through the streets. We, first it was dead animal, donkey, I remember. And then we walked through the tiny alleys in Benares and there was a dead person. And he had no family, obviously. So people would come by and put money down to buy enough wood to burn the body. And just went on from there. And he had, for the first time, he got back to a, a true place within himself that he knew he was afraid to die, okay, for the first time. And we, and finally, anyhow, we went a few days later and we met up with Maharaji. 
who, the only thing he said about, oh, you went to the, the Ganges. Very pure water, right? And I go, yeah, Baba, yeah, very pure. But never said a word about anything with my father, except what he did was, my father had a horse farm. This is a crazy long story, sorry to... No, this is interesting. He had a horse farm in Canada where we lived. And one day, uh, or a horse got uh, lame and the vet wanted to euthanize it and he wouldn't allow it. And he stayed up every night putting clay on it. Hmm. Every few hours he changed the dressing and the horse with the leg was saved. And nobody was thinking about this. Maharaji told him that whole story. He had a horse with a brown and you know, he described the whole thing. My father completely fell apart. In that moment, just his, everything opened up, you know, from the death trip to this. From that moment on, I had a relationship with my father and my brother did as well. But it was me and my father. I was the oldest one, so I got all the brunt of his anger and so on and so forth. And from that moment on, he basically saved my family. All of us ended up in India with Maharaji. Even my mother, although she didn't see him, she saw it. She came in later and, and so on. Yeah, my entire family, brothers, sisters, wow. husbands, wives, everybody. Wow. So, yeah, that, so talk about a miracle. I mean, that was a real miracle that he dynamited my father, basically, with that psychedelic. He needed dynamiting, you know, and people do and that, to me, is what happens with many people. And when Maharaji said the first time, it's good for people, you know, you get dynamited out of the habitual tendencies and, you know, thinking that you know what reality is that, and thinking mm. that you are your mind, you are your feelings, you are your emotions, you are your roles, all of that. That gets dynamited yes. with psychedelics. So interesting. There's so many directions I feel like we could go from here. <laughs> um, one thought that came to mind is you know, doing this psychedelic series, it's been interesting to hear people respond that have like a long, long-term practice themselves. And they sort of, practice. yeah, they've yeah. got like a long-term meditation practice. And they're sort of, um, I think a lot of people tend to have a similar view where it's like this stuff is really good at sort of opening the door, dynamiting, open the habits. And then from there, kind of having a regular discipline and a practice to sort of cement those, you know, insights into like living actual reality, yeah. not just trying to kind of expand and trip experience quote-unquote yeah continually experience, experience. yeah continually to kind that of is the issue potentially with 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 anything it can be sex food psychedelics it doesn't I, matter it's and, and that's sort of one of the things that i've been thinking about in my experience of retreat practice you know going on retreats and i don't know how how this is if it corresponds to like hanging out with your guru you know if it was a similar thing where be like this huge expansion and opening and insights and clarity and you know dropping away of things and then all of a sudden and then coming back you know back to school back to work back to relationship back to life and the contraction of that and the you know, the pain of going from this sort of wide open expansive settled relaxed open space to like ah now i'm like in the muck and in the shit and i'm like totally confused 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that kind of process of expanding and contracting, for a long time I thought that was just how, how one practiced. You know, you kind of had to do that because if I didn't go on retreat, I wouldn't make progress. And I, I have a feeling that the same kind of logic, you know, holds with psychedelics. Like if you don't continue to like kind of expand and open the door, you know, how are you going to move forward? Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm just just yeah, some just, random thoughts. Curious what you think. Yeah. These things are very difficult. To, the integration, which is what you're talking about. I mean, ultimately, it's not about being a good meditator. It's not about being a good psychedelic tripper. You know, it's not about being a great devotee, quote unquote. It, it really boils down to how do you treat everybody around you on a day-to-day -day basis? How much caring do you have for other people? How much of your self-interest, the Buddhist self-interest, self-cherishing, which I love that term, hmm. can you let go? Or, or how much of that eventually falls away to a point where you are absolutely not constantly working from the axis of me. That's that's really what it's all about. And you know, and the and the, the truth is, it it takes a lifetime. You know, and uh, you know, my my experiences back then were so powerful. It took many years to integrate, really. I mean, we came back and, and he left that body and all of that. And we went through so much head tripping. It was just incredible. Well, a being like this doesn't need a body, true. So now, he has perfect access all the time. You know, it was just head tripping because we were actually grieving and, and not able to really express that for, for a long time. You know, it's like losing the best lover, mother, father, brother, sister, son, you know, losing the best thing, <laughs> gone, and just, you know, head, head tripping about that. Um, but you have these experiences, and it may be through a psychedelic, it may be through meeting a being like this, through a teaching, through a retreat. There, I think the thing to take away is that a little speck if it's only a, you know, just a, a micro dot, doesn't go anywhere and gives, creates an opportunity for a little bit more space around that constant, the Krishna Das, I don't know, people out there, you know, your, your listeners know, you check out Krishna Das because he's a, a really great, he's a, a renowned, the renowned doing chant. In, in this country. I saw him here in, in yeah, Asheville in a few Asheville, years ago, yeah. the first time it was like, yeah. did not expect to be going into yeah. to that kind of experience. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's great. And he, and you know, he teaches his, you know, not just chanting, but he teaches workshops and so on. And I love, he has a, a wonderful thing. Yep, you wake up in the morning and you start the movie of me. You know, so how these experiences through whatever means do they start to, is there a leverage so that you wake up and you wake up in the morning with the movie of me and then you, you become aware of that? 
and you have enough um, residual spaciousness to not just go into the habitual tendencies automatic. Mm. I think that's what it's all about. It's mm. not. There's not going to be a big, you know, a, a, a big event that suddenly you're going to change. You know, it's just not going to happen. It's going to be something gradual over time. And um, I think the most important thing is for people want to rush into and feel like they need to get. That's the to me the biggest problem with psychedelics because you have such a powerful experience yeah. that you expect that, you know, and then in in your in your daily life, and you have it after. I mean, I I had this experience. Uh, I think I told you about last time where it was just through smoking a joint. But I had been with Neem Karoli Baba, and someone started singing, and I went into a Kundalini, you know, body, incredible rush of energy and so on and that lasted about a week I was in another zone just like a psychedelic you know you, you're like in another zone to expect that and then want to go back to it that's a that's a problem I yeah. think yeah it can be a problem yeah so yeah After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.